From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, tonight we're talking about The Space Between Us. It's a 2017 movie, it's totally available on Netflix. It's been directed by Peter Chilsom and the screenplay is by Alan Loeb. And it's all about a boy born on Mars and he wants to return to Earth to find his missing father and connect with a lovely young girl. However, his body can't survive the demands of Earth, Surrey. And these days, whose body can? (laughs) Mine mine isn't. It's packing up every day. My legs Um, are gone. So (laughs) this is your spoiler warning. It is. Big warning. Yeah, if you haven't seen this film and you don't want to be spoiled... Then you better turn back now and watch it and then tune back in. So sorry, what was your number one takeaway from The Space Between Us? Uh, my number one takeaway is that boys really are from Mars, even if women are actually from <laughs> and, Earth. Oh, yeah, I know. That's not as catchy as that know, old book. Have, from have Mars you ever and... read that book? No. I have. I've listened to the audio version, actually, you in my audio car. Read? Like, you know, the audio version yes. of the book. Yeah. You know, you play it in a car and it comes through the speakers. You're not reading because you're driving the car. I don't know, but this audio <laughs> medium, that sounds really uh, It's very, very sci-fi, isn't it's it? It's a bit strange and it's almost I wonder if they had that on Mars in The Space Between Us. Well, they didn't show it. He showed him watching movies. Yeah, he only had a very movies. yeah he had a very select um, amount Probably of movies, Probably public he? domain movies or something. Wasn't it funny that he had that German movie? Because yes. of a German astronaut <laughs> that left his movie collection behind. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, like, I, I just thought found it, that a bit odd. Like, I thought he was lying. I thought it was a movie from his mum's collection um, USB that he wasn't uh, supposed to have gotten a hold of. Okay, maybe, but maybe it was. there's no reason to expect that that was no, the case. Because never, it actually was a German movie. Yeah, it was a German movie. <laughs> yeah. So he had that movie and he had that weird movie with the line that Shiver is not dead in Nantucket. Or was it? Well, I, I, heard, I heard the story. There, there once was a man from Nantucket. There was a man once. <laughs> Chivalry was not dead there. I just love that. And he practiced opening the car door and shutting it. Like, that was part of it as well. You couldn't just say Chivalry is not dead in Nantucket. No, it's, it's a little bit weird. Strange thing to say <laughs> to someone. I don't know where Nantucket is. So, why are boys from Mars? Well, they're big-hearted lunks with soft bones. <laughs> Soft bones, brittle bones. Not... Brittle bones. Well, see, this is, this is all part of the, uh, what do you call it, um, metaphor, really, isn't it? It is. It's dude, Boys he's, have brittle he's bones. He's got a big heart and... It's enlarged, it's engorged. broken and he may have to retreat back to from whence he came in order to survive. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's starting to make me really think that this, this has a lot of symbolism to some other part of love making going on 
enlargement and his retreating. Hardening and of his bones. Hardening from soft to hard. Bleeding out the nose. Actually, is that just what I do? Uh, that, oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> Too much information. Okay, so is this a story of hope, warning, or is it an experiment? Look, it's very hopeful as a film because obviously he comes here, falls in love, has to return, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you sort of take the premise and the way the, the story unveiled itself, I reckon it's more of an experiment because it's kind of this idea of, I think right now, especially we, you know, there is so much talk about going to Mars. You know, we've got mm. the little rovers, you know, the expectation. I know the US have talked about going, you know, uh, Trump has talked about going back to the moon and going to Mars. China's talking about going to Mars. Like, you know, we're, as a human race, Mars is that next frontier. And it probably seems quite realistic that we'll go there. And I just think that this film's an experiment because if you do send, because they have talked about this, NASA's talked about sending astronauts there and they'll and they'll never come back but that's yeah, the premise you basically can't because you know, it's no four years fuel. to get there and there's not really enough fuel to get back and and they just have to commit to giving up their life on earth and going there and really this film did have that as a bit of a premise didn't it because mm. you know um Gardner who's the young boy he when he does come to earth he keeps asking that question of everyone doesn't he of of like, what's your favourite bit of Earth or, or what's your favourite feature on Earth? And, he, and that's repeated throughout the film. And really at the end, he sort of says, it's funny because I wanted to go to Earth and really so many people from Earth want to come here, you know, yeah. and it's kind of, yeah. So I think this is a bit of an experiment in that in the future, we will be sending astronauts and people to Mars. They may stay there forever. And I guess there's this idea of like, what happens when people are born on Mars? You know, that's the way I looked at it, you know. And if a baby is born on Mars, like Gardner, and he grows up, I mean, because it's, a, you know, we've all got, you and I have kids. Like, your child brain, your teenage brain, it's quite different. And I think I could totally understand, you know, think the limitations of living in those little pods on Mars, and you're looking back at Earth, and... You, I think they would want to come here. Like they just I would. I think, especially because all the people around you came from came Earth, from Earth, <laughs> and we'd be talking about their childhoods yeah, there and things yeah. they did on Earth. Mm. I think a couple generations in, it would be different. It would be a different where, call, yeah. Where nobody you know, nobody living, has been to Earth. That's in right. which case, there'd be none of this sort of wistful. Oh, I remember on Earth where we used to walk outside in the rain. Yeah. It would be more like, oh, I remember when I was a kid at Mars Station, we had half as many domes and, mm. you know, the dust storms were really dangerous. That's and, right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so and, you'd be thinking, oh, we've got it pretty good. We've got, you know, a whole lot more domes as yeah. the dust storms have settled down a bit. So I saw, I saw this film as overall as an experiment because it felt like, what if, you know, a baby is born on Mars? I, th I like, think so too. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree. There's, it's not really, uh, generally speaking, in a story of hope, you'd expect there to be some sort of um, big challenge for humanity yeah. as such. Yep. Yeah, or even could just be a very personal challenge, but uh, like a big obvious challenge that humanity through its resourcefulness must try to overcome and it does yep. sort of deal. And, and the warning is more the case of we're getting a bit too curious for our own good yeah. and we we do something or stumble upon something. Yeah through that curiosity, which perhaps uh, would would be better off not coming across. Yeah. And I mean, the you, you know, like, oh, what's the warning here? The fact that she got pregnant. Well, I mean, that happens to anyone, any anytime, anywhere. Like, it's not really, fact, you know, like, it's not a major the, by warning. By the end of the film, it? you've got to wonder if it was on purpose. Yeah. And maybe it was. It, it must have been somewhat intentional. Like, 
couple of clever people knowing that they're going on a Mars expedition for which they have prepared their entire lives. Like, this isn't a surprise. No. It's not like he's in the making. From well, uh, the doctor, what's his name? Um, Shepard. Shepard. A 12-year-old apparently wrote this letter. I doubt yeah. a 12-year-old wrote a letter that eloquent. Uh, it would take... But he was a genius. Yes, but it takes, <laughs> like, trained script writers or... Yeah. Or... Of yeah, speech writers to come up with Sorry, like it's a movie. It's okay. Anyway, <laughs> since he was 12, he'd been dreaming of getting to Mars. Yes. And then... Writes the president a letter. Oddly enough, the one woman that goes on the Mars trip yeah. happens to be pregnant. She yeah. happens to be pregnant. That's, and there's a little bit of irony in that that we'll come back to later. purposely plan it, that's not really an accident. No. That was kind of, you know... Yeah. Both of them were smart. You yeah, don't get was- to be an astronaut without being clever ah. and you don't get to be a child genius that dreams of going to Mars <laughs> without being a child genius, you know. So anyway, we do both, I think, think it's an experiment. So are we right? If you're out there, you're listening, you've watched this movie, you're listening to the Space Brains podcast, let us know. Are we right or what do you think? Is it a hope, warning or experiment? So what have you been up to, Mr. Surrey, with your creative side? Uh, well, like I to talk about. finished writing, um, just about to publish. In fact, by the time this podcast goes out, I might have published book three Woo-hoo! of Exit Plan. Hurrah. Excellent. And the final audio drama episode went out last weekend. Sweet. So that's a, a great uh, that's on, that's, a, that's another podcast, that's right? A, yeah, it's yeah. another podcast called Exit Plan. It's yeah, a excellent. contemporary fantasy, so it's not really science fiction. And that's available on all the podcasting yeah, places, if same you listen, as Space Brains. If you listen to podcasts, which I assume you do, <laughs> I hope so, Yeah, uh, then you'd know where to get a hold of that, Exit yes, Plan. Just look for it. It's yeah. a great uh, audio drama. Book three's come out. Sweet. Um, I finished the final episode of it, which is it's freeing up a lot of extra time I've got. Uh, I am. I've written some music songs for a, a certain extension of Exit Plan. Oh, it's uh, almost a. If you think of, and this is a peculiar way I, of describing it, but it's it's basically an audio music video. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I know, a bit weird, right? So it's not like the Dirty Dancing soundtrack to the movie Dirty Dancing. No, it's more like if you've ever watched some of these. Um, I say the the thriller video clip. Right. Okay, so that's, you're watching it on Rage or yeah. wherever you're watching. Maybe back in the day it was on MTV. Yeah. And so there's kind of a bit of a story going on and, and a bit of speech. And like when you're watching the video uh, on the TV, it all mm. makes sense. Yeah, So there's of portions without real music playing where they're kind of walking in the streets and talking and, and doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the song and then it breaks and there's a bit of a... A bit of spoken bit and then a bit more of the rest of the song finishes if you were to listen to that on the radio which i have done i'm sure of it that's sort of what i'm talking about so it's like if you'd imagine there'd be songs and music but it's not a musical per se you know it's not people singing the story there is music tracks which are integral and carry the story <laughs> but which aren't themselves um stories if you like Okay, and so, where's this going to be available? Oh, probably about a year or so. It's <laughs> it's um it's going to take a while playing. This, this is one. the side hustle of Exit Plan. This 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 is it's, it's little exit. teenage child of Exit Plan. Yeah, <laughs> rocking I mean, out in the corner. At the, at the end of the Exit Plan uh, show, because uh, Exit Plan is presented as a series of audio journals. Right, they're supposed to be real. Yeah, uh, and so the whole the whole thing stays in. They're character. not. As real. 
they're real. Don't. <laughs> they are just... <laughs> terribly real. And at the very end, uh, you know, it, it all is peaceful. And we've got the final image there where talking in that sort of terms. Yeah. Where Exit Plan has reopened its doors because during the show it gets shut down for various reasons and has um, actually started receiving other people's audio journals in. Yeah. Because uh, people have been listening to the show. Right. So by the end of season three, the first two seasons are out as seasons. And in fact, uh, I think I make, yeah, no, I only, I only in the in the show I make mention of the seasons of the podcast because the podcast is a podcast in the podcast, and people have heard it and have believed in its reality and have sent their audio journals in. Right. So that's going to be the basis of continuing stories of Exit Plan. It won't be that original character, who is the main character of Exit Plan. Mm. It will be. Uh, these various sort of, I'm thinking shorter sort of story pieces, you know, maybe three episodes type length. Yeah. Uh, and this particular first one is an enigma because the main character, he says, you know, I've got this, I'm getting these audio journals in. Some of them seem pretty tame and some of them pretty a bit frightening. But this one of them is just a little bit bizarre because it's it's claiming to be an audio journal, but there's like music playing through the whole, it's fully soundtracked and... Um, you know, it varies between a woman talking about her mundane day-to-day life and then talking about elves and fairies and dragons and princes and princesses. So it's kind of a bit of a weird thing and that's what's going to be the next one out. Yeah, right. It's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a challenge because I've got to, I've written the songs, I've actually got to perform them, which, which, is, um, which is a whole other skill. <laughs> yes, of course. But, you know, I've got my guitars. Yeah, they're they're also very heavily guitar driven songs, because I can play the guitar. <laughs> so there you go. There's a little hint for everyone out there that I, wants to go download the album. Well, I I performed all the music in Exit Plan, yeah. the audio drama there, so the intros and outros and and so on. Yeah, um, yeah. So there you go. Well, the multi talented yeah, Surrey Hughes building my media empire. Yes, you are. And you, you spoke with some big wig executives. I did. I got close a, to it. It was bizarre. It was one of these things I'd mentioned. I had mentioned this previously on a Space Brains episode that my feature film script, One Day's Walk, uh, which is not sci-fi, so doesn't quite fit the Space Brains area, but I'd entered it through a Screen West opportunity, which was through NBC wasn't picked as the winner but i just thought hey is there any feedback from this and so i sent i you know asked screen west about that and she said sure i can give you feedback but why don't you speak to the nbc people and she just gave me their details there you go. and you i kind of thought yeah i know that's exactly what i thought sorry and uh, i actually then I contacted those details and, uh, you know, I sent through a bit of information to say, hey, is it possible to get some feedback? And I was kind of thinking they're probably going to go no or some sort of wish-washy, you know, the high bureaucratic. quality yeah. entrance, it was not possible to get yeah. personal feedback to That's everyone. That's right. Yeah. But surprisingly, I had this uh, lady, Naomi Black, from NBC get back to me and she said, she was, she was really, and, you know, this is how naive I am to the movie industry, but she was just like, no worries, uh, when's a good time? And I'm like, okay, this time? And she goes, no, we're good on this time. And I'm like, okay, that's fine with me. And then the next email was literally from her, but it was a conference call invite, you know, and it had the pin and the code and all that. I'm like, okay, here we go. 
<laughs> and so that literally what it, what it was is really uh, very clinical and straight to the point. And uh, again, I was sort of expecting, I didn't really know who she was or anything in the grand scheme of thing. And there was another guy, Jason, that was part of it. And uh, lo and behold, when uh, the phone call came through and we have this conference call, yeah, he's like the vice, uh, you know, the, um, yeah, it's like the vice principal at NBC Australia. So it's not in the US, but NBC Universal Australia. And that really surprised me. I sort of kind of was joking with someone else that, you know, it might be the janitor he going, has... I liked your script, you know, kind of thing. But it, it was actually He actually him. has sort of... Uh overview of a lot of scripts and he can green light scripts like literally he's the guy idea yeah yeah and um what was great about it was yeah he gave both of them and he and specifically gave like they gave really clear detailed uh feedback on why i wasn't picked uh like why the script wasn't picked reasons that things that they liked about it things that they thought really did work and could take it to you know to something that would be bought and made and also and ways to make it yeah sellable in the future which i was just like oh my goodness i was writing down all these notes did Uh, you record the conversation no i didn't record the conversation but i wrote a bunch of notes down and then um uh and then on top of that i was kind of you know i was thinking this is great i kind of you know played the cheese game a bit you know blew a bit of smoke their way and said they're doing some good things and he gave me real examples as well which was cool uh, and then I was kind of thinking, well, again, just like asking for be- feedback, I was saying, well, in the future, do you just want me to kind of contact you with idea? Yeah, sure. Hmm. Just straight to this email and phone number. Yep. Just give us a call. Send us the idea. So how do you like to get ideas? Is it wrapped in chocolates and flowers and all the gimmicks? No, no, no. Just literally send us the log line. Some writers like to do you know, a two-page synopsis. Some people like to do it as a log line. We're happy for both. I was just like, and you're happy for me to do that? <laughs> you know, just kind of making sure it was all cool. And uh, yeah, they were really down for it. So I was like, okay then, yes, we're best friends now. Done. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> So it was just amazing. like, it was a really uh, refreshing phone call because I think you kind of hear a lot of these stories about speaking to these sort of people in the industry and it's a real like slam the door in your face or it's really fake and all that it seemed really real you know like he made a couple of jokes i kind of like repeated one of his jokes back to him kind of to keep the kind of and he laughed at that and you know it was just kind of but it was like literally the questions i asked you know he was really happy with and the i was just really impressed with the feedback because it was we don't want to go through it on this episode but it was just very concise feedback you know like stuff i can literally take and hopefully improve the script as well going forward so yeah yeah and a lot of it was about um audiences as well like what audiences want and you know one of the points he said which doesn't relate to my script because that's not my audience but he's like 18 18 to 25 year olds don't go to the movies anymore unless it's marvel and uh, from the universal point of view they're like so if you come to us with a script that's for that target audience where are we doing it for Netflix or are we doing it or, or streaming service? Cause if we're doing it for cinema, it's not going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. So they have this knowledge base of audiences and that's, that's something they like to speak in that that's kind of their terminology. Cause that's, that's money to them, isn't it? You yeah. know, so they don't want to go, you come to go, I've got this great idea for 17 year old kids. And they're like, well, it has to be on Netflix now. It's not in the movies anymore. You know, unless it's someone running around in their underwear. 
you know, so it's kind Someone of... Someone specific running around their underwear. Yeah, with some superpowers, yeah. So, yeah, I found that interesting, you know. And again, it's like anything. These guys, they don't know everything because, because of course, you can make an independent film and that's the smash hit of the summer, you know, Blair Witch Project. You can make the, the castle. You can make these films that don't get funded but it's from my point of view amazing to have that experience and get that feedback from people inside the industry yeah yeah so i was super pumped after that yeah that's, that's fantastic we, we probably will be seeing a mark regan original well, sometime in the future yeah so i'm just kind of thinking i've got about a thousand ideas on my laptop and i'm just going to start emailing that dude <laughs> <laughs> like one a week and there's part of me going yeah but maybe if you send too many they're just like that's crazy and maybe they will think it's crazy but then you just don't know like the 10th or the uh, think, 100th email they I might go hey you, that's a good um, idea uh, there's the the advice or given basically the <laughs> the value with which a message is received is proportional to the cost of sending it mm. so if you just pump out you know sort of dirty scrappy little log lines 10 a week yeah um, just in an unformatted email. Yeah. Yeah, they'll probably get trashed pretty quickly. Yeah. But if, if they're you... uh, clearly being put together with a bit of thought and formatted and, you know, uh, a bit of research maybe yeah. around you're it. you're showing that there's You're idea. showing yeah. they'll go, oh, okay, this actually cost a little bit of effort. And, yeah. And, you know, he's tried something here. It's worth my time to at least acknowledge yeah. it with as much yeah. energy back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think you'd be fine as so long as you're... Yeah, you weren't I'm just joking tossing, about sending them a thousand emails, but tossing them a, a, a you know rubbish idea. Well, not a rubbish idea, but you know an idea in a rubbish way. If you mm. send that same idea in a way that shows that you have really thought about it and want to do it, then I'm sure that's yeah. Well, it, they did look. I'll just say this is, and then we'll move on. But it's like he did talk a lot about the way they work with writers is not so much a finished script, and not but, so much pay the money as throw peanuts at them yeah, until they, do, they go away. They, they probably do a bit of that. But what they don't so much like look at a script from day one. What they want to see is like maybe two-page synopsis. Mm. And they look at the whole story and kind of go, yeah, okay, there's something there. Come back to us with 15 pages. Mm. So, again, they're not, they're not wanting, again, the 90-page script. It'd take too they, long to get through all that. Yeah, yeah but they, 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 what they, he, he was saying to me that what they want to see is like they want to see that story fleshed out. Like, does it doesn't have... And he goes... The amount of writers, when then we'll say things like, take it to 25 pages. And he goes, a lot of writers can't. And to us, that's always a bit of a deal breaker. If you can't get the story to 25 pages mm. as a synopsis. So we're not talking script. We're talking as a synopsis of the whole story. And again, that's the And he goes, but the writers that do, quite often it's like, yeah, now we've got something. Yeah. Now it's worth going with this. So well, that's much the same. And it makes with, a lot of sense. With yeah. novel writing, yeah. the... The, the typical thing, and it happened with me, with my first book that I wrote, is you get to, uh, the, the magic number seems to be about twenty to 30,000 words. 20 to 30,000 words in, and that's the point where you suddenly realize you actually had no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and, you, and you've just got to scrap it, or it's, it's come to a dead, wall, dead end, you know, and, and the plot doesn't make sense. Like, there's, there's yeah. nothing you can do next which makes any sense. And uh, I see it time and again. Uh, I'm subscribed to a number of uh, message boards and forums and so forth yeah, around yeah. writing. The number of people asking that advice, they go, I've got to about 30,000 words and I don't know where to go. What should I do? Yeah. And I always want to chime in and say, well, what you want to do is it's very exciting that you, you get in a write. That's good. Yeah. You do need that practice. But you also want to write the end first. Yeah. You know, have a bit of a plan. Yeah. The end, the middle, the start, 
something in between the middle and the end, something you know, at least five points before you yeah. get fired up. Yeah. So that you know where you're headed. And then once you've spent about three years messing about without trying to make that work and realizing <laughs> it's not quite right. Yeah, yeah. Now you're ready to actually properly plan out your yeah, story yeah. so that you know exactly where to go for your high points and low points, where to have, you know, side plots, yeah, where yeah. to tie them up. And, you know, uh, so you get that same thing. You go, so oh, here's, is this idea for a story any good? Mm. And the answer you can always give is that paragraph you gave sounds good. Can you write that to say 50,000 words? Yeah. If you can't, then you, you don't have a story. Yep. You've got nothing. Yep. Yeah. And I just thought like those guys, you know, if you do go back to like someone like Blake Schneider, you know, he said, he says very similar stuff. Like mm. he says, pitch your logline to people, strangers, whatever. Right. And if people are like, huh, you got to go back and reword it. You know, you got to rework it. And then he, he's like, once people are like, eh, I like, you know, oh, is that a movie? Can I go watch it? And you're like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I haven't written it yet. But it's like the next step in that Blake Schneider thing is like those 12 beats. And he's saying that you should get that into about a page. So again, going back to the NBC guys, I just kind of twigged on me from previous knowledge. That's probably something to send them is almost like that 12 beat synopsis. Yeah. If you sent them that, because then that way as well, they're look you, you know what they also want? They want to give feedback because it makes them feel like they're doing something on the story. If you send them something, they're like, that's really good, but I can't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. They, they want to give feedback, don't they? You want to make them feel good about their feedback as well. So it's such a game, sorry. But it's but also, anyway, but, it but is, that, that's probably what they want. You it know? is also, though, if you a, send them. Yeah. 90 page script they're going to go yeah you know like read five pages well, well there's, there's a point about getting you know building inspiration off each other because the number of times you could give a synopsis and so in the, you, you'll see the eyes like go, oh but hang on what if you made the boy come from mars that's right <laughs> yeah that would introduce an extra little bit of interest at this point here and then yeah the writer would go yeah and what if what if his mother died? Yeah. When, yeah. How did a you boy know, like, get on Mars? Yeah. And yeah. so, so that it gives you, as you say, it gives you that right. room for that sort of inspiration where people hear something and they get, they get something excited. So yeah, if you give them something that sort of seems complete, it might be a bit much like, um, yeah, what do I do? You, where's, where's the room to yeah. make this cool? It's good, but it's too hard to critique now. It's too much, you know? So we should talk about A Boy From Mars and go through some of the key bits. So I mentioned before as well, uh, Peter uh, Chelsom is the director and Alan Lobb wrote the screenplay. The story was by a couple other guys, Stuart Schill and Robert Barton Lewis and Alan Lobb. So they worked together. We've mentioned Gary Oldman uh, plays a big role in here as Shepard. The other two actors are a little bit more, the other two key actors, Gardner, and Tulsa, did you did you get their names? I've I've actually uh, yeah, Brittany uh, Robertson is yeah, Tulsa. Is Tulsa. Yeah, she's mostly worked on TV shows. Yeah, a lot of TV. Uh, but um, and there was Gardner he, though. He's he's won some awards. He's he's done a he's, few different uh, things. He's we? got an interesting name. It's like uh, I looked. At, I read his name so many times when I was doing that. It's Else. Um, uh, Asa Butterfield. Asa, Asa, Asa. That's it. Yeah, it's a really interesting name. And I remember it? where I've seen him from because I recognised him. Yeah. Uh, he was in Asa. Uh, I mean, what a name. <laughs> which one was that? Oh, Ender's Game. Ah, oh, Ender's Game. Ender's yeah, Game. Yeah. The, but yeah, so he's 
He won the Empire Award for Best Male Newcomer. Yep. Uh, Young Hollywood Award for Breakthrough Performance for yeah. Males. And I mean, they're he both... He was in Martin Scorsese's drama, Hugo. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so he's done a few things. He missed Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, and he's also plays a, a role in Sex Education, which is a Netflix. Another series. Netflix stuff. Yeah, so I mean, done a fair bit of acting there, actually. Old Asa Butterfield. And uh, that, I think that stands its time, really, in this film. So at the start, we do have uh, a doctor by the name of Shepard, played by Gary Oldman, giving us this big spiel about writing a big letter to the president about going to Mars. And then he's saying that, well, now, you know, and he's, he's obviously a much older senior man, that dream is going to come true. And it's East Texas is yeah, the name of the campus on Mars. Which strange. I did think that was a little bit of an odd name. I didn't quite get the context of that, but um, if there's any Americans out there, is East Texas like? Is that like I, something founding that, or something? I don't know. Or is it a reference to California? Now that'd be West Texas. East yeah. Texas is that to Arizona? Is that yeah? East like, of Texas? That's what I mean. Was it somewhere that like they the white when the white people came they like were like this is our <laughs> land or you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's like where the founding. white people that's the first genocide. Yeah, is that, are they trying to memorialize not. that? Yeah, but you know sometimes they do like they repeat those names. Well, like, yeah, might, I was thinking you know, maybe, like, maybe East Texas was the first um, state yeah, or colonial something. state. Yeah, that's or, what I mean. Or yeah. City or town or something like. I don't know. Yeah. So there's a mission to Mars, Mars sorry, and um, the, as you mentioned before, four men and one woman. Five men. Five men, sorry. Five men and one woman and a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> there's a title for a film uh, this, we were joking this, before. This poor woman, she's going to be stuck up on Mars with five men. Yeah. So they're sort of heading off as the first outpost for East Texas on Mars. And we have this sort of ceremony they launch, they're off, they're in outer space, they're heading towards Mars. She's vomiting away every left, right and centre. Yeah, it's like two months and in. revealed that she yeah. is, of course, pregnant because women only vomit when they're pregnant. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's zero gravity. I'd probably be vomiting most of the time anyway. Yeah. Apparently that is a thing, so yeah. But anyway, that it, you know, this causes the other male Yeah, they do the sideways looks like, at each other. Because uh, they all someone, know that this someone. can only mean pregnancy. Yeah. Look, they probably do know because as you, well, we didn't, I don't think we talked about this off air, but it's like, well, they probably all had a bit of nookie before they go on this mission to Mars for the rest of their life mm. and, uh, or for years or whatever it was going to be. So they probably all got lucky. Well, what we didn't find before. out about is uh, the, one of the guys there, he probably got like gonorrhea or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about that when they get to Mars? Well, how they treat that? So by the time they get to Mars, so obviously in this world, they've sped up because I believe at the moment it would take something like about four years to get to Mars. Uh, uh, nine, nine months. Nine months to get to Mars. Yes. Oh, okay. Where am I getting Which, four years on? Conveniently enough, is close to, to a gestation but, uh, period. I mean, you can go faster than that. Yeah. Nine months is just a and optimal for fuel That's and far more quicker why am i thinking four years anyway i'm thinking about something else obviously so they land on mars and immediately she has to give birth um and it's a little baby boy but she dies yeah quite predictably but it's not that surprising really no. like they had great medical facilities there and obviously all the astronauts would be trained uh, in some sort of life sciences uh, they would have had a couple of doctors, like medical yeah. doctors. Oh, like. yeah, they will, yeah. And, yeah, but, you know, you're dealing with low gravity. You're dealing with restricted resources. Yeah. And just anything can happen, can't it? They probably well, weren't equipped for childbirth. No, no. Because they, they wouldn't have been thinking of that. No. Which 
They should have been because there's five men and one woman. Yeah, I know. Bound to happen. They're, they're gonna get bored. <laughs> gonna be up to something. So anyway, they um back on Earth, Shepherd, uh, Gary Oldman again. He and his kind of company debate this idea of a baby. You know, we're gonna bring it back. NASA doesn't want to have anything to do with it. It's gonna be bad PR. What should we do? It'll be good PR if we bring the baby. But they decide to keep it a secret and hide the truth from the public. Well, in part because they, you know, a baby gestated in zero G has never happened before, mm. and growing up in low gravity environment of Mars, they don't know if it'll actually survive. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it, the whole point of that is a bit controversial, and they do mention that the boy will never be able to leave Mars. Like he'll most yeah. likely never be able to leave. Probably, probably won't do it. So. Suddenly, it's 16 years later, and the magic, number. the magic of movies, and there's a teenage boy, so, you know, the, the baby is no longer that, and his name is Gardner, and he's super intelligent. We sort of see him whizzing around his little complex with yes. a robot. That he helped make. <laughs> that he helped make, um, and he has a pen pal back on Earth. I call it a pen pal, shows my age. But he has, you know, through a chat room, one of these yeah, some, chat rooms. Some sort of, I Sorry. don't know how he gets in or, like, what? The internet on Mars is fast. So he's And all he does away. is chat with some girl? Yeah. And he chats with this uh, young chick called Tulsa, who we kind of then get, we, we sort of see the opposite of where she is. And she's sort of a bit of a badass, isn't she? Yeah, she's a foster kid. She's a foster kid. Been through five she's a foster rebel. homes in 12 years. You know, she's typing away to him during class on her special laptop. She rides a motorbike. Without a helmet. Without a helmet. The boys kind of all horror and chase I didn't quite get that. Well, I think because she was hot, so it kind of made sense. Like, and, that's probably boys would, are basically stupid. Boys are stupid in this if, movie. If their parents don't you know, take them and educate them a little bit, boys, boys like, are... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Boys are very... Teenage boys in particular I get, yeah. get rather stupid. Because I, I, in that moment where they sort of chase her and she races off the motorbike, I was a bit like, are they chasing her, like bullying her, or are they chasing her because they like want to get in her pants? Like, I didn't really get the difference. I, and maybe there is no difference, you know. I, I, I don't... I can't imagine... If the boy's mean to you, it means he likes you, okay? Yeah, so put up with <laughs> That's abuse. what my mama told me. So put up with abuse for the rest <laughs> of your life, just deal with it, you know. <clears throat> Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't put up I, with it to get their attention. My attention. I think it was merely a story plot, a you know, story device to show that she's not in the popular crowd. Yeah. And she didn't she didn't like uh that. Oh, and there was a little moment there she played piano. Yeah, that was um, a, a bit odd. She, you know, it's a character trait, you know. Sorry, you know, she plays piano. She's, she's a rebel, but she plays a bit of piano. Not much. But she didn't want anyone to know. She didn't want any because the people came and she like left really yes. quickly. Well that's when they started hooting at her. Yeah. Anyway. And I'll come back to this in a, in a bit later. But he um, escapes the pod. So back on Mars, Gardner escapes the pod using his chest plate thing. He's got a magnetic sensor or something. Yeah. I always expecting that to play a part in the movie later on. Me too. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> he just... But he escapes. He's, you know, he pulls on the, the thing and he's driving a dune buggy and he's fanging it around Mars, which is pretty cool. And he ends up at his mum's grave or what he thinks is his mum's grave he finds out that she's not really there she's back on earth her ashes were scattered across the ocean but it is like a um a remembrance tomb uh he crashes his doom buggy As you do. and um i forgot what, what's the astronaut's name the, who's kind of like the surrogate mum uh, her name was 
the surrogate. No, her name. <laughs> the surrogate mom. Uh, her name was Kendra. She was a, she was a sorry? Kendra. Kendra. Played by Carla uh, Gugino. Yeah. She's been in heaps of stuff. Heaps of TV and movies. Well, that's because she looks like, now as a mature woman, she looks like a mum. Yeah. But, you know, like a good-looking mum, but not like a hot mum. Yeah, true. You're like, she's just got that that look. Hey, sorry, I think she could undo the pony and be a hot mum. Oh, if she undid the pony, she could, oh, my God. <laughs> and take the glasses off. Um, but she, basically, her role is to be the surrogate mum for the whole movie, which is a little bit sad because she's probably this super smart character. Uh, she was in Sucker Punch. Yeah. yeah, she's, she's been in heaps, eh? Hey, I, like, I didn't look it up, Night in the Museum. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's in Night in the Museum. Yeah, I can't see it now. Um, see the City. Anyway, let's move beyond her career for a moment. Okay. And she's the surrogate mum, so she has the deep and meaningful. She saves him because he's crashed and he's not breathing. I actually was kind of thinking, well, maybe he's like, he can breathe on Mars. This is the moment he's going to find out like he could breathe. Because I didn't know where this story was going. We come into this, as everyone knows, come in blind. I didn't know where it was going. I was thinking maybe he's going to realise that he can actually live on Mars without all the, you know, without yeah. a mask. Maybe it was just me. I, Not like Total Recall, his eyes weren't going <laughs> to pop out of his head. <laughs> Which is always so good. <laughs> well, I was watching that and because we had this aerial shot of him doing... Burnouts. You know, circles and stuff. Donuts. And I was expecting it was going to pull away and reveal like a design. I thought yeah, he was drawing right. something because it, it, it kept like he did some big curving thing and then it would yeah. cut away to a close-up close up, and then it would be cut grinding. up to above and he's doing a different line. Yeah, and then rocks banging it up yeah, in the so air. I was, I was expecting it to, the dust to settle. Say, Mom, I love you yeah, or something. Some, some sort of tribute <laughs> there or something. Yeah. But anyway, she saves him and I was like, oh, okay, no, he's not a superhuman on Mars because um, that would be kind of cool. But anyway. Um, and, um, he, oh, that's right. Yeah. So he returns and, um, in this, they sort of, there's a plot point where they realize that, that maybe they could do surgery on him and make his bones brittle stronger. bones stronger. Yeah. They're going to lace them with carbon nanotubes. Oh. Which is that, oh, that wouldn't just make his bones stronger, but you yeah, like, that would make them nigh on indestructible. Cal- yeah, Cal- Cal- are they like glossed over that a bit. I didn't even really think of incredibly that. Incredibly yeah, strong. He'd be like Superman, wouldn't he? Like, well, the Wolverine has um, adamantium fused skeleton, which was written before carbon nanotubes were discovered. I think in today's day and age, it yeah, wouldn't be cut, adamantium, yeah. some magical metal. It would be, you know, carbon, the, graphene, and, and nanotube bonded bones, which would, would basically be indestructible. It's, carbon nanotubes are you know, fantastically strong. Yeah. Anyway. So again, that's another thing that's not really brought back up at the end of the, no, the, but during it, the movie. It sort of lets him walk about. It sort of does come in his CT scan or his, his MRI. It does in that moment. When she truly believes that, yes, he is from Mars. So he has the surgery and he has to do a bit of physical fitness around it and then he returns to Earth. And when once he's back, again, Shepard... He well, really... This was not sanctioned by Earth, though. This is the thing that, to point out. There was a discussion there. Yeah, saying they hid. He, he can't. He, we could do the surgery, uh, but you know, blah blah. And Shepard says, oh, no, "Look, I'm the big boss here. At the end of the day, I say no." Yeah. And then it cuts away to him undergoing surgery. Like it sort of gives you that impression that yeah, maybe okay. Obviously, Kendra seemed to have uh, won the argument. Yeah. But then 
we see Shepard sitting there looking through the different camera view feeds. It's a bit creepy because you can see in the bedrooms and things. But he's looking at the different camera feeds and can't see. I'm paying for this place. I'm going to look. <laughs> you can't see Gardner anywhere. It's my money. And finally, when the shuttle coming in from Mars is about to arrive, he checks the manifest and sees Gardner, comma, e yeah. on board. And he's like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> that comma, E is what did it. Mm. Um, so as a result, they're not really prepared for it. And uh, they're sort of a bit surprised by him turning up. Yeah, and, and we find out that uh, Shepard has kind of, he's been quiet for these uh, 16 years. And uh, I think later on he reveals that he left the company. You know, he kind, kind of left the company or yeah, left the project. So they've been doing things. Went off. Yeah, went off the grid. Anyway, so, he, but he wants to, he sort of is uh, urgent and he rushes into NASA and wanting to meet um, Gardner and, um, and then he's like coming to see him and he does. He gets to meet Gardner and they have a good... Uh, standoff, good Q and A. They do the, um, the classic exchanging questions. Yep. Um, and he, anyway, Gardner's kind of yeah. You know, so they have that, and they have a bit of an exchange. Um, and Gardner's got to kind of like orientate himself with the planet, um, and he's kind of a little bit disorientated. Um, and they don't. He's quarantined, you know, and he, they don't want him to leave this quarantine station, and they want to do some tests. Uh, and they actually then decide to tell him. Oh no, we actually we can't let you go yet. We've got to do even more tests, mm. and things aren't looking kind of very and, good. And he, he then confides to Kendra, who comes to speak to yeah. him, and he says, "We both know that they're sending me back." Yeah, uh, which I think I I don't know what the legal status of that is like because I don't. Yeah, isn't that that's basically kidnapping? They're not really legal guardians. You might say Kendra was his legal guardian. It's like. I don't know. It just sort of sounds a bit, I think it would be a bit shady. It was, but I guess, again, I think from earlier it was the implied the public didn't know about this and NASA didn't want to. Well, yeah, he's not a citizen like, of anywhere, yeah. right, is he? Doesn't have, is think, he really a US citizen? Well, like, no, yeah. technically. Not at that time. He'd no. have to apply for it, I think, <laughs> uh, on basis of parentage. So anyway, but he's clever and he escapes. He escapes, all right. And part of his escape is there's a tour group going through there who get dressed in the outfits and have to wear these heavy boots to make them feel what it would feel like mm. coming back from Mars. Yeah. So that when he, and he doesn't have to put the boots on, so when he's sort of clumping along clumsy. He just he, looks like him. He fits in. Yep. And he, but they spot him and they yeah. chase him and he kind of then is spying through a sort, of a, van, a, a sort of a vantage point in the industrial side of the complex, a man changing into overalls, so he changes into overalls. And then the security kind of like lunt, lurch, lurch at him, but it's not him. It's the good old chase scene. Yeah, yeah, and then he gets into the back of a truck. You're banjo music. Yeah. And he gets into the back of a truck and then the truck is searched, but he's not found. And then the truck's down the freeway. Um, and then we have this like quite a nice montage of him, you know, like fish out of water. Yeah, he's um, experiencing Earth. Or a bit like an alien on Earth and he's... You know, so not he sort of stands in the middle of the road and a truck almost runs him over. And he just talks to a uh, homeless dude. Homeless guy. Then, like, it starts raining and everyone, like, runs under shelter, but he actually, like, dances in the rain. As one does. Um, and he starts asking that question, what is your favourite thing about Earth? And people give him different responses or no response, like the guy on the bus gives him no response. I was, I was thinking he should have said, 
Then my favorite thing about Earth is that people don't just ask me dumb questions yeah. all the time. <laughs> well, he did kind of do that because he actually yeah. like pulls his arm away yeah. from the window and, you know, it's like, I don't want to talk to you. You're a weirdo. Um, That's like me on the bus or walking to him from work. I, I sort of gaze skyward. I don't want to interact with people. Yes. <laughs> because I'm an alien. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Why would you want to reveal that? So he finds, uh, the next thing he finds, Tulsa at school. And she's really weirded out from this because he hasn't been in contact with her for... Seven months. Seven months. The trip back to Earth. There's no internet on the space shuttle, no, sorry. He, he told her that he'd be travelling. Yeah, having the surgery and he'd, he'd yeah. go a bit disappearing for a while. She, she I, doesn't believe him. I guess she didn't expect that to be seven months worth of not no. being contactable. And again, at school, he's a bit weird. He's wearing weird clothes. He comes into the class. He says a few weird jokes. He washes himself with the emergency shower. Because they don't have those in a space no, science they don't. They station. Don't. And, um, but Tulsa kind of likes this, I think. There's a part of it. So she takes him back to the farm. Um, and all of a sudden they're at the farm. Shepherd and the police rock up uh, and they confront him. Uh, and so he runs for it. And in that, it kind of, it does come across that maybe he's running from like a foster situation or mm. he's done. He's, he says to her that he killed his mum. <laughs> yeah. As, as a way. Like, in, his, in his sort innocence, of innocent yeah. way, not realising that that would sound wrong. Yeah. And of course, there's these police and people in suits. And so uh, Tulsa in all of her kind of, you know, rebellious form helps him escape in the crop duster plane. And they take off from the farm in a real sort of chase scene. And uh, they go up in the air and then all of a sudden, of course, well, that old plane has to land and they're going to do an emergency landing on a busy freeway. So there's kind of, you know, dodging cars and this and that. And then he turns on on the farm way. Yep. And and runs itself. Leap from the plane as it crashes into a barn and explodes furiously. It's a, it's a... Michael Bay explosion, isn't it? I was, was like, I was quite surprised. I was too. It was a really huge explosion. I'm not sure like, what would do that, but maybe they stored their. There was a crop duster, maybe gunpowder in there. <laughs> what have they been lacing the crops with? You know, diesel. Yeah, just something, something that explodes on impact because this thing blew the living shit out of that crop plane. Um, and Shepard and uh, Kendra couldn't see them jump out. There's, no, so they, they thought they see the explosion, see smoke, and they, they don't see these two, and they they, they get upset because they think he's dead. But they run off into the fields. Yeah, and it's not until a little bit later when the police are all there and they've searched through the wreckage, you don't find any bodies. They don't find any bodies, so they're okay. They're somewhere, and um, so Tulsa and Gardner then they steal. She steals a BMW. She sort of tricks that from a car service guy or whatever. Yeah, and no, it's an electric car. It's an electric car. So and it's is, little, it's a little car, sorry. Yeah, little electric cars. Yeah. I know there's a couple of things there. There was a scene of Shepard sleeping in his self-driving car. Yeah. Which was kind of a nice little... Mm. There was a few little... touch. I mean, the movie, I guess, doesn't say it's far in the future, but it's just, I suppose, implied it's a little bit in the future, I presume. Yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. there's just, the laptops are clear and there's yeah, a bit, obviously they're in the Mars. That seems so and, impractical. But. Yeah. I know it does, doesn't it? Um, anyway, so they steal the car. But the point of this is then they suddenly have a big argument. Uh, Tolls is saying that everyone lies to her, everyone's lied to her. You're, and he's kind of saying, well, I'm from Mars. And she's like, you're lying. This is why lie. Like, yeah, lies are terrible. Scam, yeah. And so they have like a huge argument over it. And that's again where he delivers the line. 
Chivalry is not dead in Nantucket. Yes. Well, yeah, because he's they're outside of the car. Yeah. And she's about to get in the car and he quickly scurries around and opens the door for her. Yeah. Because she's kind of she's yelling at him about the lies and he's he's kind of innocently just saying the truth, you know. Yeah. And but she's so it's questioning whether she is questioning, well, is he lying or is it well, the truth? She says but she's like, sort of I maybe you really believe that's the yeah, truth. Yeah, like you're psychotic, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then they, then they rock up at a coffee shop kind of thing and they steal mummy's iPad. Yeah. And this was a strange thing. Was that a cameo? Like they, they got the iPad off, like mum leaves it on the table and so they quickly go and, you know, like, make yeah, use, use of it. Yeah. And some kid just randomly puts his head over his shoulder and says, no, no, you've got to like dump the decoys and connect to the fire station Wi-Fi next yeah. door or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. And they say things, oh, you got to pay for my whatever. And so they give him a bit of money. And then he goes selfie and takes a photo. And we get a shot of the photo with the three of the minute. Yeah. Never seen again. No. And so I was, I was looking at that going, oh, is that some sort of really awkward way like to leave a clue? So now yeah, there's like, a, like a, a photo of them there. And well, they talk to the kid. Gonna happen, yeah. And he said, oh, I overheard them doing something. Rather. Yeah. None of that ever came no. And that guy who had speaking lines and seemed to require a bit of bargaining. But for no apparent, like, what was the point of having to connect to the next door station's Wi-Fi? Like, that didn't seem to make any difference. Like, they could have left that whole sequence out. So I was confused, which made me thought, are we supposed to recognize that guy? Yeah, yeah, like, is he... Is he a little cameo, like some sort of a... Is he a Power Ranger or something? If I was a teenager, would I go, oh, that's... YouTuber yeah. songs it. So right. let us know if he is someone because we honestly don't know. But in using Mummy's iPad, they Google the ring that Gardner had had from his mum and they realised that they were married by this Indian celebrant. So they kind of Google that guy's address and then now they have a plan of attack, don't they, of where they should go to, you know, where they should go next. They can yeah. find out where her mum got married. Yes, Shaman Necker. Yes. Um, we then have a uh, scene where Shepard find they find teenagers under a underpass. Oh. And, yeah. you know, and then they sort of rip that open and Shepard's quite angry and aggressive. You get out of here, you girl. Yeah. And uh, basically, no, it's just a couple of other teenagers getting up to teenage stuff in the back of cars. Um, Playing Shep- Xbox. Yeah, and then so Shepard has a moment with, uh, you know, the Doctor about that, well, basically he did give up and now he needs to try. That's the excuse he sort of tells her. Um, and they also, in that scene, discover that actually from the test they did back in quarantine, that Gardner's heart can't handle the gravity. It's enlarged. It's in trouble. Yeah, the... So, Near neutropin or whatever is yeah. off too much in his blood in com- combination with myostatin or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, he's got a big heart. He's got a big heart. He won't live. He's he a big-hearted lunk. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be in trouble. So we really, I mean, it's kind of like a bit of a blow to us, you know, because you're going, oh, yeah, no, he well, needs help. Yeah, it's, it sets up the situation where you it's know. A it's a clock. Yeah, he's got a time limit and you know it's not going to end with them happily living no, after. Unless he gets help, like unless he or something happens, you know. Yeah, so so you're either going, well, they've got to try and find some solution to that yeah. or 
we're going to have a sad ending. We are. He's going to die. So it's sort of, we go from that and then there's another montage of Gardner and Tulsa. They really basically have fun together. There's a whole stuff where they're eating burgers and there's balloon, hot air balloons. Uh, they go I like, shop. I like that shot. I did like that shot. I reckon nice. it was really cool. Um, and they go clothes shopping and she plays the piano and he can see that. Um, and also like he write something on a bathroom wall or something. I was here. I was here. Um, So they're just kind of having good, not going to say wholesome, but good teenage fun, basically. It's a romantic moment. Well, they bought the clothes when she wanted to just nick them. Nick them. And yes, he graffiti, but he wrote it on a mirror. So it'd actually be quite easy to wipe off. Yeah. So nothing too drastic here. And this is where then he's driving a car even though he's never driven a car before. And he sort of shares his feelings to her very openly. And she's like, well, you don't do that on earth. Like you don't just share if, if your everyone feelings. everyone just did that, we, we might be happy. Happy, yeah, it's and her that, line. It's that look on her face there where she says that, which I think she delivered that line really well. We'd all be happy and she doesn't ham it up too much. It's no. just like a, a subtle wiggle of her eyebrows as she kind of, you see, realizing the stupidity. That is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that was, I, I think that was some great acting there. It really felt, yeah, like like it didn't feel like a Ryan Reynolds delivery. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds delivering that, you, you would have gone. Yeah, he's he really puts on the sarcasm quite yeah. strongly. And yeah. She, she, yeah, she was much. She delivered more that very well. Yeah. It's very nice. You're very correct in there. I think like yeah, there was a there was. There was thinking involved in that line, wasn't there? But there was, was then there's that, that slightly creepy moment where he reaches over and grabs her thigh. Yeah. You sort of... A bit awkward too because it's a very wide car. So like yeah. driving a cowboy's well, car or something. So he's going he's gonna to lean a fair way over. Yeah. Uh, when he's I, never driven before. I felt a bit, I felt a bit <laughs> awkward for them. He drove his, his moon buggy. Well, it was funny because she said to him at the start of that scene, both hands on the wheel, you know, you're learning to drive, you know, stop looking at me. And they've had this whole sort of conversation about open feelings and her saying that's weird. And then he puts her, his hand on her knee and sort of starts to slide it a bit up her thigh, which was suddenly really forward for where they were at, I thought. but yeah. you know. It made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then he says a great line, which is, um, both hands on the wheel, and she's just like, "No, I think no. I feel." <laughs> and she leaves that hanging, and, yeah. and he says his little suavity there. Yeah. And it gets for me like I was like, "Oh my god, he's not a little kid anymore. He's a grown man here." You know, like he's pulling the moves. This is some smooth moves, Gardner. Um, so they are then in a canyon and it's very romantic sorry and yes. there's a fire uh there's the moon i it's think one of those, and those painted canyons with yeah. the layered stone as well they always leave colors. the car lights on as well which is really yeah. unusual because your car would go flat um the battery would go flat but they, everyone always leaves them on in the movies um just so they and, don't put seatbelts on yeah, unless it's a it, plot point yeah because it's just it lights up this it's it's supposedly light you know uh Anyway, every movie does it, not just in this movie. Every movie does that. Yeah, yeah. There's um, certain things that just only happen in Hollywood. Yeah, and so there's sort of... I think Tulsa here is kind of going, well, you know, I quite like this dude. And, um, yeah, they kind of kiss. And, again, he's very Don Juan here. Like, it's very uh, smooth moving from a guy from Mars. Like, yeah. It surprised me. 
Um, and they basically get jiggy with it without seeing us get jiggy with it. They kiss, they kind of kiss a bit more, and then they get bag. in the sleeping bag with no clothes, and he kind of delivers a couple of more lines about that, you know, Earth is great, the balloons were good, the food's good, but you're even better. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I would say it, and you can see that it wouldn't get me very far, uh, but the way he says it, it's like, I, I would just kind get of you down. Lie there like a stick. And just say something like, and just let her do everything. And I just say, yeah, this is, this is, this is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. And How about them and, stars? And she'd go, I suppose. And I go, okay. And then I'd just be silent, and we'd go to sleep. Mm. And yeah, it took me a long time to get a girlfriend. <laughs> well, yeah, and you're saying that, and you're already naked in the sleeping bag. Gee, sorry. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I, I think the girl would just take advantage. Stranger, she would just stranger take, things have happened. I think the girl in that context would most likely just make the initiative so because yeah if she's already naked she's not going to muck around from there anyway the next day they're not naked anymore and they are actually on the reservation and they're sort of told off from that but they they asked that we want to see oh, the that, shaman this is strangely hippie woman woman yeah yeah you see the shaman and she goes sure uh, yeah well she says something which i took to mean that she thinks that they're getting married yeah like they're getting like I, I suppose this must be a common thing that yeah. that people come people up here rock to elope up and, and yeah and get the the shaman to give them a bit of a ceremony. So they visit the shaman and pretty quickly he's kind of he he it's not legally registered weddings or anything, but he's got the address of the, the mum's check. Yeah, so they've because got people an, pay with check even in the future. Yeah, yeah. Who who pays with check? Do you uh, know, the uh, only person I know who pays with check. Is my father-in-law, and he's seventy-three. No, but 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 in the US, it's a big thing, is it? right? Because yeah, yeah, um, we won't go into it. But in the okay. if you're in the US, you can let us know. But I, it is still a thing in the US. Call, Trust call me. in to me yeah. and and tell I've, me if one you pay with cash or even worse, you pay with check. Well, like, I just uh, friends that lived in the US just they've just come they're Australian they've just been come back and uh, yeah she was working as geologist and. She literally got checks. She had to set up a bank account that accept checks, and that's a weird thing as well. Just... Even though that's what they do. So anyway, let's not bag their banking system. That's, <laughs> Leave their banking yeah, system alone. That's quite odd. It's odd, but it's just it's just well, the way actually, it is. Sorry. Maybe their checks don't take five days to clear. Yeah, or maybe that is the because maybe, maybe they can them. deposit into their account and they and have the money there. instantly. Have the money. I don't. But in which case, checks would make a lot more sense. They Here would. it takes. So uh, anyone out there in the United States, it takes. Two to five business days for At a least. check to clear. So if someone pays you by check, they've basically not paid you. <laughs> so you can just forget about getting the money. Yeah. Which is why nobody uses checks except yeah. for old, uh, like, concrete workers and brickies and stuff who are very manual in their ways and they have a very set accounting system that works well for them. And damn it, they're taken to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they do, as you said, they got the check and she's able to find out the address of the dad. And then a nice modern touch here. She Google Earth yeah. views it, basically. Yeah. Street view. Yes. And, and it's the same place from the... And that, that's, that was a nice touch. Is Even a lot of modern movies still don't really take advantage of mm. the sort of technology we just take for granted now. Like yeah, yeah. People... Google Earth. ...be sitting there at work and someone will say, oh... I wonder about such and such. Three seconds later, someone will say, 
oh, well, apparently it's blah, 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 blah. Here's a picture of it. Yeah. And here's a YouTube video tutorial of how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it was, oh, yeah, okay. And it's just, that's just what you do, you know? Yeah. You don't sit there wondering about things. No. I wonder what this address, what if this is the address? Yeah. No, you go and have a look at it. We'll have to drive there, sorry, and find out. Yeah. No, why don't we just Google Earth it? Yeah, why not? Before we do anything. Um, but at the same time, Gardner is now got a nosebleed. Oh, he has a nosebleed. So, yeah, we get this... Um, He's not in the. It's, he's not in his sleeping bag. And his nosebleed. It's a, <laughs> I never got a nosebleed, but it's a very popular thing here. So we've got the good news, bad news, don't we? Mm. We've got yes. Oh again. look, the end of our quest is in sight. Yep. But his injuries were the deadly curse is coming to uh, fruition. So they arrive then in Las Vegas, and. Um, you know, like she's like, look, it's Paris, it's Shanghai, it's Venice, it's America, Paraguay. it's everything. It's the world in a Panama. It's yeah, it's a world in a you know a lit up Vegas Strip, as we all know. It's Johannesburg. Yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't like it. It kind of seems to give him a bit of an anxiety yeah, he, attack. He goes a little bit weirder. He does, which I think is is because he faints and yeah. freaks out, and they yeah. go to the hospital. And he, again, he's bleeding, so they rush to hospital. Um, Tulsa's going to leave him uh, because he's kind of he's knocked out, um, and she's going to go get the dad and come back. And he, yeah. Anyway, and then he wakes up and he says, "No, no. <laughs> no matter how much I want Earth, Earth doesn't want me." Yeah. Oh, geez. What a teenager. That is a great line. Sorry. What a. That's like that's like James Dean. You know, what are you rebelling against? What do you got? <laughs> you, you think you're so tough, don't you? Yeah, you're yeah. going to die in a car crash. Yeah. That's rebel against that. Anyway, but it is, you know, if you get given a line to say like that, you've got to say it. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say if I was sitting there dying from being on earth, I'd have to come up with something. Yeah. I know they talked, joked about that, like famous last words. And it's, it's like literally most people are, don't say anything. <laughs> Really, very famous because they don't realise they're dying. Whereas, of course, in a script, you can write your famous last words, can't you? Yeah. If you so say if you think you're going to die, you got to say those famous last words. But then, what if you don't die? You still got to then say, ah, uh, the- actually, I need to go back to the bathroom, nurse. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I don't feel so good. Yeah, dead. That's usually the last words or something. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they do escape the hospital in a really cool old car. And um, they, he's in the back seat, and Tulsa is driving. Shepard, kind of, you know, they're they're, they're one step behind him, and they they sort of like a track. They've kind of caught up on some of these clues of where they've been and stuff. And they go, oh, Shepard says, I know where they're going, California, California. And he's hopping onto a private jet. Here I go. So they arrive at the dad's place and Gardner's really quite sick. He sees the ocean, which Tol- I mean, I, look, and he says it's the best place. Dad, I mean, no this, sh- now, this is the best place. Yeah. No shit. He's been on Mars. I mean, can you imagine what all that water even, would be like? Even here on Earth, I mean, that's the ocean. one of the best yeah. places to be. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was good that they kind of focused on that. And he wasn't looking too good at this point. Yeah, because yeah, Tulsa's like, yeah, propping him up and mm. hobbling in and they're coming through the billowing curtains of the sea breeze mm. and there's some dude again on his invisible on his laptop computer assume it's a computer it could just be i don't know it could be the control for the tv it could be it could be ordering up some netflix it could be he probably is and he, he folds it down and turns around and yeah. confronts these people 
and um, they kind of have a bit of a debate over like what they're doing there and who who they are. are and I'm not. What are you talking about? And he shows the photo, and he's a bit upset, and he's like, "Well, I'm not." And the, and Gardner's saying, "You know, you're my dad." And Tulsa's like, "Don't be a jerk or a dick." And you know, he's he's your son, and uh, he says, "No, Sarah, Sarah Gardner's uh, my Elliot. sister." Oh, Elliot, sorry, yeah, sorry, my sister is my sister. And so I would never admit to that. Because it's not true. Yes. Because Shepherd is the father. Yeah. Well, we don't still don't know that. Although it's, I think at that point there, if you haven't guessed, yes, that, then you're probably having your own little aneurysm that might flare up in space. <laughs> you probably should go to hospital and have that brain yes, checked out if you, out if you haven't guessed at that point. But Tulsa spins around and there's no gardener. And he's gone. And then she runs over to the the balcony and looks down. And he's walking to the surf, and before he's taken two more steps, she's down the cliff face and rushed across the beach. And then he says something. Yeah, it's a great line. I, I know. I, I, this one, he says, Have you got it? <laughs> didn't get to choose to be born on Mars, but at least I can choose where I die. Oh, he also says something about feeling his mother because yeah. it's the ocean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But that, that was the line, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice. You got it pretty close. I didn't get to choose where I was born, but I do get to decide where I die. Yeah, you're actually saying like that. That is this kind of thing you're expecting some old prospector yeah, or yeah. farmhand, you know, farm owner to be sitting there. Not a teenager. Last moments, yeah. And then he di- then he just dives into the ocean. Yeah, he just goes clunk <laughs> over sideways. And she can't see him. She's like panicking, grabbing him, and uh, and trying to like find him. And we have like a flashback montage of you know some of those moments in his life. Uh, and then all of a sudden he's yanked out of the ocean by Shepherd. He goes. Oh, no. Not my son. <laughs> he doesn't actually I say that. I am your say, father. I am your father. Luke, I am your father. Yeah, I he would have been. It, does he say that? He says, or no, does he say you're my son? I think then they, they plonk him on the beach and they kind of, you know, he's alive. He spits out water and stuff. And um, I think Gardner says to him, you loved my mother. And yes. he's like, oh, yes. Right. yes. He like just nods kind of a thing. A bit of a, a work, work yeah. around. And yeah. then he's like, you're my father. And he's like, yeah, he like nods his head. Yeah. yeah. Which you could tell. You know, you could totally yeah. tell. Yeah. They they haul him out and they, they take him to the airport. Yep. And it's that an emergency cool, uh inter orbital superjet. Yeah, NASA superjet. Which is that's actually based off a real mm. real um shuttle design. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Jump, but that's the simulator yep. version one and some other pilot is piloting it and he says, go high, very high, the pilot says, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you've got to go into the stratosphere. Yeah, the stratosphere. And the pilot says, no, I'm not going to do that, which, and I thought this was a bit mean because the simulator basically says, yeah, all perished. <laughs> <laughs> to which I'm, I'm hoping it was actually because, you know, he had little sensors on yeah. and actually detected his brain fried because yeah. yeah. he's got that problem with his brain. He's I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere, something's basically benign. But it could be a problem in if space. If you go into space. Which yeah. is why he couldn't go to Mars. Yeah. I'm hoping that's why it said everyone died. Because when he takes control, the jet the, the pilot doesn't sort of go, Well, hold on, hold on, we'll all perish. <laughs> so I'm assuming that that was why. Because he, he lets them go as if it's like, yeah, well, the, the plane can do it. Yeah. It's just I'm not authorized to do it. Uh, but they go up. Yeah. And they've reached out of the atmosphere and they sort of float and there's a little uh, Gardner sort of perks up and, and yeah. unbuckles himself and floats free, and then uh, Tulsa does the same thing. They do yeah. like a, a zero gravity kiss, yeah, which would be quite peculiar. And yeah, there's a bit of smiles and stuff. And uh, Shepard 
says, uh, he says something, like, oh, we made it, oh, oh, and I t- Kendra says, you're you're all right, you made it. And he says, oh, it looks like I did. Yeah. I was expecting him to uh, uh, <laughs> keel over that stage, but he didn't. Yeah, he's okay. And so he said, this will buy us the time we need. Yeah. And then the next scene, we see them walking towards the launch pad. Yeah. Uh, down that same glass corridor, his mother yep. walked down, and yeah, there's a bit of a goodbye, and there's like a, a Tulsa's on the launch pad. Go, yeah. oh, you can't go up there, lads. Ooh, and they go, oh, and they said a bit of bit of drama there. And yeah, to, to tell you the truth, I I, I was crying at that point. Now I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> he gets back in there, and yeah. what I was really waiting for was what we saw next, which was the the cockpit view, and we could see his dad was in the front seat. Yeah driving yeah i don't know you sit in the front seat to drive a rocket i think you do in the movies yeah I, I, <laughs> it makes sense dad up the front driving kids the, in the back. rocket kids in the back and they fly off back to mars yeah. which is i thought it was quite nice uh because they had them like father and son on mars yeah which they could finally have a relationship he could finally have genuine family that yeah. he actually got close to and then we go Tulsa's now in this kind of boarding home, shitty boarding home kind yeah. of place. You know, she's obviously she's uh, again chat rooting, chat rooming, <laughs> rooting. A Freudian slip there. That's, that's what goes on in those chat rooting places. Apparently, yeah. sorry, I'm never invited. Uh, but anyway, they're in there, and they uh, she's interrupted by a visitor who is Kendra. Kendra, and um, who. She, she sort of says she's retired and she's well, she training so. people at NASA and she's got loads of money and she a big on, house in Colorado. Mars, she was on Mars for six years and couldn't spend her money. Yeah. Uh, and I, I assume she... you got to think you would get paid fairly well. Yeah. Plus danger pay and all the rest of it because... Bit of overtime. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so she's got a, a ranch yeah. in Colorado. Yeah, and she's trying. I mean, now she she probably get paid a fair bit for training people, wouldn't she? Well, you don't. There's imagine. only like literally a handful of people like, with hey. any experience yeah. um, in our space, let alone on another planet. Yeah. In fact, as far as I know, there's just that one shuttle load of people who came down. Mm. One of them was Gardner, and he's gone back. So Kendra and maybe what four others, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Are the only people on Earth who could do that sort of training. So, yeah, she's got a pretty good And, gear. you know, so she agrees to do that and she's training then, you know, in the, she, Tulsa is now training. So, you know, the presumption R- is... Running well, on that inverted... Yeah. That's a weird thing to train on. It is. But anyway, they do some weird training at NASA yeah. apparently in the movies. And uh, and yeah, the presumption is, okay, well, she'll, she'll go to Mars, you know. Yeah. Anyway, and then we finish with a lovely shot of Gardner and Shepard kind of having a moment on the landscape of Mars, you know, yes. uh, there's no bulging eyes or anything like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I know, I was, I was waiting for it. Come on, it's so good. In the background, there's, <laughs> there's Arnie in clutch, the background, clutching at his throat. Yeah, his clutch. bulging. <laughs> when are we? Do, when are we doing? Tra- we we will have to do Total Recall. That's a classic, a, a wonderful yeah. film. <laughs> it is that original, Arnie's original. But that is the lovely show, and we sort of get this big zoom out, and it's Mars. Mars, yes. Boom, 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 boom. Back. Futuristic Mars. Wonderful. Directed by Peter Chisholm. That's what comes up, sorry, before Netflix did, these days. He's done a couple of other ones. So he did... Uh, Cut You Off. Serendipity, 2001. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cusack a big sci-fi. and... Oh, I can't remember the other one. Someone like Keira Knightley or something. 
Sounds good. John Cusack and some other guy. Anyway, Serendipity, and there's another, another one of these sort of romantic sort of films. So he's 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 done a couple in the genre now. This one here with a bit more Mars. Yeah. And less uh, Serendipity. So I mean, I had a nice feeling at the end of this film. It was kind of like a sweet teenage love sort of story, you know, based based on this what if. It was a, it was a nice way of having a happy ending without being too sugary sweet, yeah. but without having to throw in too much tragedy. Yeah, because they're separated. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of a bit unfortunate. But, but he's she's with coming. his one day he's with his dad, it. and his dad yeah. has been wanting to be on Mars. Like that was yeah. his childhood dream. Yeah, and so now they are. So there's yeah. kind of that. Yeah, and he hasn't had his dad that whole time. So yeah, you can imagine, so. well, you know, it might take Tulsa 10 years to get there because you, yeah, they only tend to send, you know. But even like you have to be maybe an engineer or a doctor or, you know what I mean? Like you, you have you've to be think qualified. You've got to think she'd have to spend at least four, five years. Oh, she has to. Intensive training. Yeah, yeah. Because and she get would, a degree in She something. would need, yeah, engineering or... You have to, you can't, you, no one gets sent to space without some sort of qualification because they've got to be doing experiments and stuff in space they can't they, she, they can't go, just and, send her and if there's an emergency or something interest. she yeah. needs to be able to provide she something needs to be able useful to do so. yeah so you don't have i don't know i reckon 10 years general farm years. hands or no mechanics not yet <laughs> you only get mechanics in space who are able to do the mechanics of a spaceship yeah or a you know atmosphere recycler or something rather so, exotic that was sort of my first impression of it. And then sort of sitting back in it, I suppose, like I thought, you know, it's probably more of a romantic comedy, or not, not comedy, but more of a romance genre than sci-fi. Like the sci-fi in this is pretty basic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it does provide a bit it. of the tension and the, the time yeah. clock and yeah. the the separate the thing that separates the lovers. Yeah. Because you always yeah. have to have something that separates the lovers. Like in Equals, they had the... Emotions, not emotions. Yes, that's right. Yeah, as a separation, and in passengers, you had all the people asleep. Yeah, um, and you know, not asleep, and so on. So this one here, yeah, you've got to have. I mean, Mars is quite a big barrier. Yeah, it's a huge barrier. Isn't it's it? an Alice Cooper song. Might as well be on Mars, which is sort of about this. <laughs> but anyway, let us know out there what your viewing experience was like. You know, after you watched it, how did you watch it? Did you look at it on your phone? Did you watch it in the it did have a cinema release this movie, so um, you know it'd be interesting if you did see it at the time and and what that experience was like. Um, so, what about the ladder? Where does well, this go on I've the got ladder? I say, thing? if I was fourteen or fifteen, that sort of age, this would have probably killed me. This movie, I probably would have fallen over sideways in my chair at the theater, and enraptured with the whole concept yeah because of mars yeah and also hot girl liking sort of a nerdy <laughs> awkward guy from which mars. Yeah, not, i don't have the experience of that yeah <laughs> uh, we shan't go down memory lane with sorry no. oh my god <laughs> no don't do that, don't do that. that. I, I but, but i agree with you i think i think if i go back i mean i i did like a lot of horror and um action and stuff but i did like these ideas of you know, like if you look at this, like teenage boy from Mars, he's different, he's unusual. Well, if you and he's went got on a this, date, this would yeah. be one that you'd go see with your mates. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's why I went and saw Predator, for example. Yeah, and RoboCop. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah. Although, 
with my wife, I probably also would have gone and see Predator and Robocop. They're yeah. a couple of her favourite films too. As it turns out, it's, it's not a coincidence that we're together. No, that's right. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely sort of a, a date movie. Mm. Um, it does have some nice thinking points to it. I, I put it down there with Shanghai Fortress. Right. Um, because I, I think the age gr- grouping for this, I'm probably a bit old. Yeah, yeah. Cynical and twisted. Probably. Probably. <laughs> we, we are, I think, too and, old. And they had a robot with artificial intelligence, but they needed a bit more prevalence of computers in this to have really... Uh, beaten out some of those other ones like Tau mm. and oh yeah and and so on which which had those artificial intelligence yeah so yeah down there with with Shanghai Fortress yep um, had some really nice moments in it but there it is and what what about you we'll, we'll speak about the best scenes in a moment yeah yeah but we'll, well look, I think it was just for me it kind of comes in on that bottom rung for me on the mm. ladder I mean again this ladder is growing and growing and. You know, we're not sort of ranking them or anything, but it probably just comes in. And I, I, it's what I just sort of said before that I don't, for me, it probably wasn't enough science. And I, and again, like we just said, we're not quite maybe the target audience of this film. So mm-hmm. just, again, yeah, just how much this story appeals to me. I think if I was 14, I would have, I would have quite enjoyed it. I would have liked the idea. Yeah. And I think it would have really you know, identified with the with Gardner. And yeah. so that would have been a lot different than my age now and looking at it and just going, oh, teenagers in love, being teenagers and doing their teenage thing and stuff like that. And then so from a bigger point of view of a, of a science fiction film, I, I think science fiction, it's always, and we, we always talk about, you talk about the science behind it, but I, I and I enjoy that. You know, I like mm. looking into, and it's cool when science fiction, you know, take a non- you know, and that idea of like privacy and then deleting people's privacy and making up people's identities and stuff. like I love that sort of idea. Like I yeah. love when we talk about time travel, like back to the future, it's, you know, we, we're, you love that idea of the actual science behind it, you know. Well, well, maybe at some point in the future, we'll do The Martian. Yeah. The Andy yeah. Weir novel yeah. adaptation. Yeah. Which, I, I have seen that. It's, it, well, I think that's quite a good film, that one. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've read the book as well. Yeah. Uh, it's well worth reading the book for. Yeah, yeah. And there is a lot of science. Oh, yeah. in, like, that in, is in the book, he goes through all the calculations, yeah. Which, yeah, is, yeah. which is very cool. <laughs> so, that I mean, that does probably lead into some best and worst scenes. So, do you have a best scene that you best had? Best scene. Uh, I really did quite like the scene with the balloons. Yeah. So, they're the driving down the car and it... We just get this nice wide shot with a car sort of uh, middle, lower ground with a big blue sky. And there's just balloons and there's like some music, sort of joyous music playing and balloons in the sky. And, and it, it immediately struck me. It's quite visual, you know, with these colorful balloons and the, the blue sky, the, the road. Yeah. Open road. There's no other cars. Yeah. And the music, it, it really reminded me back when I was in uni. Yeah. It took 14 hours to drive to uni and back on the holidays. Right. And it was, yeah, going yeah, from Canberra to Sydney, lots of cars. Yeah. But you got up past, say, Port Macquarie, heading up that way, not many cars. You would get stretches where it's just empty mm. and I'd have the music blaring and the windows down. Yeah. And, yeah, you get a real sense of freedom and light. Yeah. Particularly yeah. because you've been driving for about 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, the added bonus is seeing the balloons floating in the air. Yeah, it was a you cool know, shot. You really got that feeling of, uh, and and I think anyone out there who has ever done this as a teenager, it's 
there's nothing quite like that feeling of being on the road with the windows down and the music playing. Yeah. And, you know, like it's just, yeah, you feel really free. And, and I think that really captured that very well. Mm. It's very nice. Yeah, it's yeah. a good way, of, again, in movies, you always try and look for where they compress uh, extended concepts into single scenes yeah and and here they here they did it quite well it's not nice yeah because he was he was he was kind of head out the window eating stuff in burgers mm. you know taking it all in and then she she also had a moment at the end of that which was looking at the balloons and kind of going well, this is kind of nice yeah you know i'm here with him i'm enjoying this we're kind of we're we're being rebellious we've we've hit the road this is a stolen car like i think it kind of ticked a lot of the moments for her too yeah. so I agree that that scene was, it wasn't only, it was beautifully cinematographically mm. shot with all those balloons and flying down that freeway as you've been talking about. But I think also quite clever that, yeah, they both were having a moment, you know, yeah. they both were having a positive moment and, uh, and I think it was done right. I agree with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good compression there of his experiencing so many things about the world and her growing to realize that actually outside of her little universe of high school yeah and there's another the world foster family where i think the dad was just a drunk crop duster i guess yeah i didn't uh, we, didn't, we didn't get too much about that except no. the, the crop dusting meant that she could steal a plane yeah but yeah she got free because that was always her things to open road music and Freedom, music, and something like that was her three things that she said she wanted to do. All oh, right. When she was eighteen, emancipation. But anyway, yes. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. Road, yeah. It compressed both of their experiences, their growth moments, into one little scene, which meant you felt okay. He's kind of he's, he's enjoyed the world, Earth, and she is starting to realize that life could be nice. Yeah. 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 I'd seen I liked, which we, we delved into a bit before, was him escaping on Mars and the June buggy and visiting the mum. Mm. So I liked all that. But then I also liked the aftermath of that because it was like uh, she, uh, Kendra says, um, you know, like, how, did you, how have you even done this? You know, it's dangerous. You shouldn't do this. You know, you could die, blah, blah, blah. How do you? And he has a great line, which is like, well, I've been raised by scientists. Yeah, lived and, in a bubble raised by scientists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I thought that was that whole sort of scene, including that, I, I really liked that because it's like, yeah, you know, if you raise the baby surrounded by scientists in a bubble, um, yeah, he's invented a robot. He knows how to like hack into systems, he 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 can use his chip to disarm things, like it makes a shitload and, of sense. And you yeah. can especially bet on Mars yeah, they'd be doing a lot of hacking. Yeah. Like because yeah. they'd be they'd have fixed set of resources yes. but uh, an infinite variety of problems to yeah. have to solve yeah and they would have to you know amend things yeah, and like ad hoc pull, things pull and, apart one piece of equipment yeah combine it with something else to, to do make something work yeah. yeah yeah and so so i liked that i really thought that was kind of a cool again going back to maybe why i didn't i, I put the film on that area on the ladder because it's like well that was a cool sort of sciencey moment but then yeah they, then, they could have used that a bit more yeah later on in the film there where he's even was, when he's on the run, like he yeah, could have done something. Yeah, could have things. been a little bit more sort of sciencey um, stuff to surprise Tulsa, for example, because yeah. she doesn't yeah. believe his Mars story. Yeah, and then like he could have, you know, jury rigged up something that is unusually technical. Yeah, yeah. Where, which is which would make you sort of go, well, what sort of knowledge do you have? Yeah, yeah. And he said, and he could just repeat that line. Well, 
told you. Raised by scientists. Raised by yeah. scientists on Mars. Yeah. And she'd have to just sort of go, okay, well, yeah, I yeah. guess, yeah. Yeah, like maybe he could have modified a car or he could have, uh, you know, made, modified her mobile phone. Yeah, pulled or, the phone apart. And, yeah, done something with yeah. it, you know, and um, and it could have been in a romantic way, seeing how the film is romantic, you know, he could have done something like that. But anyway. <laughs> you know, modified her phone to block dick pics. <laughs> from all those guys chasing her. Yeah, from all those they guys. They would all be sending her oh, you can bet they eggplants. Would be. They, they would be. all be eggplanting her all day long, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it's, it's, it's... It's what people do, apparently. Sorry, I don't do it as a space brand. I'm too old for bloody eggplants. Yeah, I know. My wife sends eggplants to me. Oh, right. Uh, as in actual pictures of Yeah, eggplants. actual eggplants. Yeah, <laughs> Look at the one I got at the grocery store today. Oh, that looks lovely. Dinner tonight. Um, any... Scenes you didn't like? Uh, I think a couple of the romantic emotional scenes were a bit drawn out. Yeah. But I think that's because, as you said, it is more on the romance side. Yeah. Which is not a genre that I normally indulge in. I don't mind a bit of the old romance, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of the summers felt a bit long um, when they're getting into their, their sleeping bag business. Yeah. That was... A very long sort of touching thing and i always i always get a bit um frustrated or confused i'm not sure what you'd say but i never remember being quite so eloquent as any of these movie characters yeah you always get them you know giving little monologues which all make sense yeah i mean even when i write down speeches to give and do like training uh give training at work and things Half the time, I swear it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's yeah. just sort of stream of consciousness, weird things thrown in. And, yeah. But uh, and so I'll, I'll get these these drawn out romantic scenes where people just like speak well and yeah. say the right sort of things and actually make eye contact. Yeah. That's that freaks me out the whole time. Like, could you actually say that things while keeping a straight face mm. and making eye contact? Yeah. That it's I don't know maybe that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, yeah. I just, yeah. It it feels a bit unreal. Yeah, it could well, just be me. And I mean, I'm a bit a bit of an extension on that. For me, was we talked about the balloon scene being cool, and we talked about um, that car scene where he puts his hand on her leg and stuff. But actually, even earlier than that, um, I think after they argue the first argument, and they're still um, in the in the car or whatever, it's it felt a bit like she was his mum and mm. I just I was getting a little bit because he was such a fish out of water and we've seen this many times you know some the guy George in the jungle comes out of the jungle and yeah. he's in the city and whatever um you know Billy Madison you know some he's... reason with this movie I was reminded of E.T. yeah E.T. yeah even yeah. though at end where he's been chased by the cops and he's like getting sick and dying yeah and Paul something... as well have you yeah. ever seen Paul, Paul with, yeah with, you know um... Oh, what's that guy? Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Yeah, yeah, yeah those guys. Gun. So, um, his face. yeah, the three, the, well, the three of them make it, don't they? The director and the and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Nick Frost, yeah, it's yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like it is. It's like kind of like he was getting sick, but it just because he was so naive and so childlike and so innocent, but yet she's so rebellious. It kind of almost felt like it was his mum driving him around, and I was. I was just a little bit. There's a couple yeah. of scenes there to start with with the romance. I was a bit uncomfortable with I, I that think, dynamic. 
I think I think I was expecting like, maybe I was expecting her to join in a bit more. Yeah, yeah, and I think that would have made it or something like yeah. you'd be a bit more rebellious about it. Like we, you know, and I think that might have been the solution. There is instead of her being so sort of even even that's the thing when they have that argument, she's like, "Right, I'm going to be driving across America with the psycho in the car." It's like, well, you were on the chat room with him. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like you need to ease up a bit, you know. And if you're so rebellious, like surely you should be letting go of that a little bit. You yeah, know, wouldn't you be going? Well, this will teach him. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I, w- sure. I will just go off with this guy who claims yeah. to be from Mars. He's that- clearly a little bit. Crazy, you know. Crazy. It seems wrong. harmless, but he's, yeah. he's a bit, he's a bit nuts, though. But maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, so that I was just feeling a bit uncomfortable. It kind of eased up then by the time we kind of get to the pickup truck and then the fire and they're like yeah. then they seem to be more on a, on an equal page. So yeah. Anyway, that was for me. So what about the science? Sorry, the science of living on Mars. Yeah, I didn't feel there was a lot of science shown to us in the movie. Well, but I suppose what they're what talking about could there you though dig is. Into? Uh, well, it's it's very interesting because there's a lot of desire to go to Mars. And, mm. uh, the question, of course, is first of all, why do we choose Mars as the place we want to go? But then secondly, why don't we just go? Mm. And yeah. Try. Well, interesting. So first of all, Mars is probably the most, uh, I suppose, the easiest and most hospitable planet we can get to in our solar system. We don't have a lot of choice here. Venus is a similar... <coughs> Is a says a similar size and mass and gravity of Earth, which would be nice because you wouldn't have all those problems. But it's got a very dense atmosphere. It's very hot. Uh, it's acidic. It rains like hydrochloric acid or something crazy. It's dreadful. If you could somehow float on top of the clouds of Venus, you'd be spot on. But we don't have the technology to float on top of the clouds of Venus. So Mars then is the next closest place. It takes about you know, nine months, say, to get to if you use um, sort of a, a relaxing, easy-going way. If you if you burn a whole lot more fuel, like you said, when we were sending the rovers and robots up there, six months ish. And in this movie, they said seven months. So yeah. they're clearly, they, yeah, they've they've improved things a little bit, and you yep. get to expect that they'll have come with some advan- um, you know, efficiencies. So it's pretty close to get to. It's not it's smaller than earth it's about a third the gravity or 38 percent gravity so you're three times lighter one third the weight which would mean you know uh, you've got to think if you were 90 kilos it would be like being 30 kilos so if you know 30 kilos my dog weighs 30 kilos or my i think my daughter weighs about 27 or something and you know, I can pick her up, and and so that would be like how much you you know, a, a large guy would weigh. Yeah, that'd be really weird. But what that yeah. means, of course, is bone densities are down. But but you yeah. can still walk around at that weight. You know, yes. you're, you're not yeah, yeah. you're not flying around like on the moon. I think you're one eighth the weight or something. And yeah, that's, yeah. There's genuine. There was genuine concern. They had to do the calculations. Would you be able to jump so hard on the moon that you would endanger yourself? Yeah. Uh, and there's you take yourself off to one of Mars's uh, moon-like bodies, orbiting bodies like Phobos, is actually light enough that you can, if you did a strong jump, actually escape the, <laughs> the, the gravitational ball. <laughs> and you know you maybe you'd fall to Mars. Yeah. So, but no, Mars is is strong enough to keep your stuff down, and you know it, it, 
things we do hold to the ground. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, the day is about the same length as Earth. Yep. The uh, axial tilt is about the same, so it has seasons. Like Earth, they're about twice as long because it takes about 1.8 years, Earth years, to go around the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, the sunlight, it's, it's about 60% of the solar radiance, so uh, it was about 540 watts per square meter rather than 1,000 watts. Um, so, you know, it's similar to an overcast day in brightness. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of reasons that you'd be able to go down there and... Establish something. You can actually yeah. get there, and and the atmosphere is not corrosive. Like yeah. the atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide. Yeah. With a little bit of um, you know, nitrogen and some argon, almost no oxygen. Yep. Point four percent. I think we need about nineteen percent to survive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so pretty easy to, uh, relatively easy to get to, relatively easy to sort of land on and establish mm. things. Yeah. Uh, and you wouldn't be too big a problem for us to adjust to the day day night cycles and things the temperature is sort of negative sort of 80 to negative 5 depending on where you are and the time of year so cold but you know in the region of arctic cold yeah yeah not not crazy ass cold and not like dark side of the moon cold type of thing uh of course i know the dark side of the moons are only called the dark side of the moon because it doesn't face the earth not because it doesn't get sunshine anyway <laughs> Just in case anyone suddenly jumped on me about that. Oh, yeah. but uh, Jump on him, jump on him. But then you got... So, so they're the easy things. There's reasons why we think together. Why don't we go there? Yeah. Because yeah. the dirt is poison. So that's something I never really point out there is that there's a high chlorine level okay. in the soil, which, of course, is you know poisonous to humans. Yep. So... And it's, it's corrosive. So the atmosphere is okay, but the soil, not so much. Secondly, there's a lot of radiation. There's no magnetosphere. So Earth has got this lovely spinning iron core, which gives us a strong magnetic field, which spins uh, you know, high-energy um, radiation of the sun away from us. We've also got an atmosphere thick enough to reflect UV light. Our ozone layer protects us from UV light, which UV light is um, starting to move into the ionizing region. So it can provide enough energy to start breaking down molecules, molecular bonds. Yeah. Uh, which is why, of course, the atmosphere in Mars is not particularly corrosive because all of the reactive stuff has been broken down already. Yeah. Um, so on the surface of Mars, you're going to get a lot of UV light. You're going to get you know, gamma rays, uh, solar flare mm-hmm. um, particles, and so forth are a problem. You're going to get cancer, the sort of... Um, Radiation exposure you're getting is, you know, hundreds of times more than what you'd want. Uh, so you'd have to have somehow lots of shielding, which hasn't really been worked out very well. Um, yeah, there's there's very little water. There is some frozen water, but it's hidden. So there's a lot of problems with... Also, it's probably a one-way trip to Mars, or at least a very long stay on Mars whilst you collect fuel, because... The fuel, you've got that uh, the rocket paradox, which is, in order to make your rocket go further, mm. you need more fuel. Yeah. But the fuel weighs so much that you need more fuel yeah, to carry too. the more fuel. <laughs> so That's each right. each unit fuel you add on gives you progressively less benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a limit for any given thrust technology. Yeah. There's a limit to how much you're ever going to get because you're going to get to a point where your entire payload is just thrust. Yeah. Uh, just fuel. 
and there's no room for people or equipment. Yep. So the more people and equipment you have, the, the less fuel. fuel you have. Yep. Uh, which means by the time you get to Mars and you've landed, and if you want a little bit of fuel, for example, to set up your base, you've got nothing left. Yeah, yeah. So in The Martian, actually, the Andy Weir book and the movie, they solve that by they have like, uh, how long are they up there? Six months? No, it's, it's... Or something like that. Some, you mean on Mars? Yeah, yeah. So in, they, yeah, they do rotation. So they they go up and they actually send up their escape vehicle first. Yeah. And it has a an auto a processing unit. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. breaks down the atmosphere into like uh, oxygen and um, yep. you know fuel, and takes some of the nitrogen and things that makes rocket fuel basically yeah, over yeah. the period. So by the time the people turn up, there's a, a reservoir there, yeah. and they do all their stuff whilst it continues to just. Collect, collect fuel, yeah. slowly but surely, drip by drip, until there's enough there, and then they can leave again. So yeah, you got that problem there that you'd have because you can't send very expensive to send supplies up. Yep. Yeah. So basically, the problems with trying to live on Mars are not un- insurmountable. Like this is why Mars keeps getting talked about because yeah, okay, radiation. It's we can, for example, if we actually had a reasonable power supply power source then we could generate our own magnetic field yeah and protect us from a number of these particles that come through and of course uv light yeah if we if we have um the right sort of metallic foils we can reflect it yeah and you know the toxic soil well let's face it we're going to have to be living in habitats anyway we could probably you know have filters and and wash procedures and so forth and there is ice on mars that we could get yeah, so you know you could build this up. It, it's all possible, but there's there's no there's, there's no visible solution for it all yeah. at the moment. Like it's yeah. just really the most difficult place we could ever think to go to and stay for any <laughs> length of time. Yeah, and we'd have to stay there first. You know, you got to think that if you went up there and landed, you'd have to wait six to nine months before any sort of uh, follow up. Could yeah. turn, really, yeah, turn yeah. up there. And I guess this this film plays off a little bit, isn't it? And just with the stuff you were talking about there, I I did have that thought that, you know, probably NASA etc. They think, well, yeah, you might. Sorry, we're saying to you, we're going to send you to Mars, and you're not coming back. Yeah. And you say, yeah, that's fine. But what the hell happens when you get to Mars and you're just like, I just, I have to get off this place. <laughs> I have to come back. You know, like I know it could be a bit secretive, and Earth doesn't know much. But at the same time, you could just imagine it. Like back on Earth, people would be like, no, you have to bring it back. Yeah, like, I, like there would be a huge sort of I'm, debacle I'm about it. I'm skeptical about this whole concept of one-way missions. Yeah, like I don't think I think that'd be more the like public would cons- accept it. They'd be conceptually one way, as in this is not a mission that we're packing up and bringing home. Yeah, it's more like the space station is a permanently yeah. inhabited space station. That's right. But they rotate every six months. People come through. Yeah. So you could imagine that. Maybe Mars, uh, you'd be able to stay up there for a year or yeah. two. Maybe it's more like um, an Antarctic research position. Yeah, that's where right. you're there for nine months. Yep, and then you come back. Uh, unless you get locked into the winter. Sometimes yeah, they get stuck they in the winter do. and they're there yeah. for the full 12 months. Yep. Uh, okay. It's, yep. it's not that big a deal, you know. Um, you've got to come back, I think. Yeah, and, and each successive wave of people going up to Mars will just sort of bring more and more. And we saw it in the movie. Yeah. 16 years later... They had, East Texas more, had grown. Yeah, There's more had, and more bits and pieces yeah. about the place. Yep. And, and that would be obvious. It seemed to be reasonably well 
equipped. Yeah. And and that would just be the fact is over 16 years, I'd just keep sending up yeah. payloads. Yeah. Uh, often I would suggest unmanned. Yeah. You know, just uh, a whole bunch of something or other. And I guess that, again, with Mars, that's the thing, isn't it? So it comes back to well, all of these things are possible. You need, you need money. You know, there's only so much money you need. You know, you need the world to kind of come together to do it, really. And you need companies like Google and stuff to get on board. Yeah, well, um, Musk, Elon Musk wants to get there. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? I want to as well. I know, I know, I think I'm sure it was Google a couple of years ago, like before the Trump era. So maybe that's four years or five years ago. They were investing a couple of billion dollars into going there, you know, into trying to make it happen. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know what really happened with that, or whether that money is sort of around still, or what the deal yeah, was. Yeah, these big but... players now are like the Virgin Galactic, yeah, uh, SpaceX. I think that's the Google guys. Yeah, along with some they, others. Yeah, they're investing and, in that. And Origin Blue, or whoever it is. Yeah, like. yeah, but there's, so anyway, there's yeah. a lot of interest in getting up there because uh, there's a, a lot of a lot to be learnt from that. Mm. Just from the process of getting up there. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and let me think. There's um, a couple other ideas people had of going up there would be, of course, sending robot yep. uh, factories up first. Yes. So there's one idea that we put forward that you send up robots that basically creep along slowly and collect minerals. There's a yep. lot of iron and things yep. up there. And then basically 3D print new robots yeah uh, and slowly manufacture uh the robots which would actually do the rest of the work yeah you know excavating out a smoothed off area build up a dome. Um, protective walls because yeah. they have these dust clouds which cover the atmosphere and yeah uh you want yeah you, know, you, you need an atmospheric barrier really yeah. so you yeah you sort of start building up walls uh, to, yeah. to protect and make a flat area for landing and Keep setting up little these sort of robot probes that would yeah. continue to prepare things before yeah. humans went up. Yeah, because it's it's too expensive to send humans up. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. Sounds Although good. You could, if you send up humans, they could just give birth to new humans who will then do the work, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, and they can never leave. <laughs> you know, you can't as leave. this film says. Yeah. So yeah, some of the uh, technicalities in terms of filmmaking. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward, uh, you know, commercial film. This one, I think, in terms of the storytelling, you know, it's a chronological story. We've gone through the plot. Um, it's probably more in the romance with a bit of science added on or a bit of sci-fi added on. You know, the premise is science fiction. A what if, you know, what if a, a baby was born on Mars, and that plays out. Uh, cinematography, you know, very straightforward. There was some really beautiful moments, like we said, with the balloons. I think there was a lot of uh, beautiful shots of Mars. You know, there was yeah, some the nice Mars, stuff. The Mars stuff was quite believable. Yeah, it looked real. Um, those pods looked real. You know, the settings looked real. When he when he went out and did that dune buggy stuff, it looked to me it looked very convincing. Um, it was nice and red, deserty earth, rocky, you know, crevasses, all those sort of things. Um, but yeah, like those, and and the same back on Earth with the rocket launches, the, the sorry, not rocket launches, but the the NASA sort of scenario. It was really heavily, uh, you know, on show in a really good way, and the, those yeah, rockets it, were really. It, was, cool. it looked like they had like a an on a clearly ongoing space program. They had yeah. multiple 
landing docks which were yep. well maintained and the, yep. the grass yeah it looked like something that was regularly used yeah. and quite believable in that sense like it, it yeah. looked like a, a spaceport there is a fun fact there for all filmmakers out there if you want nasa on board and you want to talk about nasa in your film you can you have to apply for them and there is cost involved but they will freely um, hand over their logo and their associated rights to that. So they're very open to that. It's just you've got to get permission. For Even it, if you make them look evil? Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll take the money and run, I think. <laughs> but they're more open than... Um, and they're more open than a lot of other US government departments for that sort they, of they branding. They want a bit of propaganda. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. yeah. It's the same with the US military. You actually, if you get permission to do it, you just have to show it in a positive way. Mm. So you can't show it in an evil way. And then they will lend you US military for a movie, etc. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. reading about that the other day where where you can... Because they're talking about Chinese films. And I think mm. we've mentioned it before, but and they're saying, oh, like the Chinese government have all these requirements. And at some point, if you include US military, they'll give you access to... The great thing is they'll, they'll, they'll give you soldiers carrying yep. guns yeah. and tanks and stuff yep. doing things. They'll let you film maneuvers and uh, all the rest of it and on base yeah, yeah. Uh, in various places. Yeah. But, you've yeah, as you said, you've got to show the military either as a neutral sort of organization, yeah, yeah. just a, a background yeah. part or somewhat or constructive. Yeah, they're you, doing something towards whatever the story is in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. And I think that's probably fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, if someone asked me if I wanted to be in a film as myself, portraying myself as an Australian, yeah, I'd be tempted to sort of say, well, you know, do I have to be a child eating puppy kicker? Could I? <laughs> could I not be an Australian who? But I've got that footage. Sorry, who? Who I don't know. At the worst, maybe I drop a used tissue on the ground after I blow my nose. Like, if you want Disgusting. me to look evil, yeah. Perhaps we could, you know, lighten the mood a little bit. So I don't come <laughs> But you always as... have your monocle on and you always got that evil <laughs> laugh in your huge <laughs> leather lounge chair that's made out of uh, rhino skin and, you know, elephant tusks. Oh, so, no, the, you know, the thing, the thing it's made out of, true. the thing it's made out of is extinct now. Yeah, right. That's right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, where we come from, it's extinct. It, it, right? it went extinct. <laughs> it went extinct many moons ago. Yeah, due to the furniture manufacturing yeah. industry. Yes, that's true. That I founded. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you're just doing this on the side of that mega con. But you can understand now why I'd want to be portrayed positively. Yeah, that's right. You actually got more reason to be portrayed yes. positively. Um, there's some cool symbols. I like the symbols of space and Mars and rockets and the NASA stuff. So I think that all. You know, the, the space between us, you know, like, okay, so it's the space between Tulsa and Gardner, but it's also and the, the space between, yeah, the space between Mars and Earth and the space between Dad and Gardner. And um, and he keeps kind of saying that question about, you know, what uh, what's your favourite thing about Earth? Yeah. And then she says at the end, what's your favourite thing about Mars? You know, and, and him saying, well, it's funny, he's always wanted to get back to Earth, yet people want to get to Mars. And I, I kind of liked all that. There's a lot of symbolism in that uh, about space between people and yeah. and how that kind of the relationships and, you know, what gets told amongst people and what we reveal to each other and all that. I could see that playing out. Yeah. Very nice. Yes, yeah, very good. So anyway, let us know what you thought about 
the space between us and you know what what that delves into for you and whether you liked it or not and also what we talked about tonight on space brains episode 22 22 you can get us at space brains pod on twitter at space brains podcast on instagram facebook yes uh or <laughs> hey you can get us at space brains at gravityundone.net by okay. email yeah and uh, obviously you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting thing which is whatever yeah we'll be i there. love spotify I just Spotify because it's unmeted on my yeah. plan. Uh, well, yeah, it's same for me. Like you can just you can get podcasts for free. So, what does it matter? Um, and what's the movie we're going for next week? Sorry, we had this all planned tonight. Unlike other weeks where we just decide on the moment, not revealing anything about our secrets. Uh, next week for episode twenty-three. Twenty-three. See you yesterday. Oh, okay. Yes. I know nothing about this apart from a colleague at work said she listens to Space Brains and she says, you have to do this. Well, tell her so, to tune in. Yes, until then. That way we'll ya. have a listener. <laughs> yes, I'll tell her to listen. We'll have one, maybe another. Who knows? Maybe you listening right now will be a listener. A further listener after listening to this great episode. <laughs> and with that wonderful wisdom, yes. thank you very much. Good night and I'll see you later. See ya. See ya.